Happy Tuesday. Hello, everyone. It's the 18th of December, and we are still in Colorado enjoying the glory of the sun and the blue skies. Yes, and the cool air. It is cool. It, in fact, is um, not cold, though. This is probably some of the warmest Decembers we've ever seen up here. Mm -hmm. We did get to have a little bit of snow come in, and that was nice. It was there's already we're at nine thousand feet, a little above nine thousand feet where our house is, so you can pretty much count on there being snow, but up this high, but not necessarily every part is covered. So we got a nice little dusting that covered up any spot that wasn't and that kind of thing. So that was nice. It was. It was beautiful. It was like a blizzard for a bit and then it got blue sky and then it got forty five degrees and now it's really pretty out there. It so. is Colorado blue sky. Very, very nice. So we've had a, a lovely time here resting and relaxing and working on all things coming up here, winter tea and new books and all that fun stuff. So we're happy to be chatting with you all today. Yes, we just started a new blog series called Pillared Passages. So if you're a blog reader, you can check that out on the website now. And uh, if you're on Instagram, we'll be doing some things on Instagram related to it. So there is a, an account called Pillared Passages, and you can join that to get updates and just some, some different fun things we'll be doing along the way. We're really looking forward to the Gregorian New Year. Going to be having a nice celebration in Bixby. Yes. And lots going on there. And um, and we're very excited about uh, 2019. feel like Papa has much in his heart for this year. And so it's going to be amazing. And we're just grateful for every moment that we get to be a part of this glorious kingdom. Yes. Lots of adventure awaits. So one of the things that Papa was saying to me today as um, we were just looking at uh, some things we've been talking about, Ma and I, and also with uh, some of the leaders around the world, is just really realizing <clears throat> what an incredibly large call that we have and how uh, easy it would be to be overwhelmed by it. And just looking at the number of people and the number of strongholds that need to be dismantled, the number of people that need to be reached and um, for the relationship with God to be seen and uh, for the religion to pass away and be replaced with a true relationship with the living God through Jesus. And sometimes I see that and I get very excited and sometimes I see that and I get overwhelmed and I say, goodness, Papa, how is this even possible? It, it isn't. It's completely impossible. But I know that you're the God that is the impossible. And, uh, and anyway, Papa just keeps saying, just looking at time and just reminding us and encouraging us that time is not what we see on a calendar. Time is not what we see on a watch. These are the moments of choice. And that what God can do through us we may have seen take decades or, or centuries in the past, but now God can do these things in a single day. And so there's these moments of 
just receiving. There's this moment of inhale where we're we're receiving from God and we're inhaling all of the things that he's saying. And, and some of those times, they're very fruitful and it's it's very clear. Oh my goodness, look at what God's doing. But other times it's like, gosh, Lord, what's going on? Are we doing anything? And just to be able to rest in those moments because God is absolutely moving and he, he is so um, focused on this rescue. And it's not, it's not something that we carry as a burden. It's something that he holds in his hands. And so we are so privileged to be able to walk the journey, rest knowing that he is going to reach every single person that needs to be reached. He's going to dismantle through us every single uh, stronghold of selfishness that needs to be dismantled so that love can flood the world. And that what, what may seem overwhelming is, is going to be done. So it's this beautiful balance between knowing that he is doing a mighty work through us. And it's something that we do take very seriously. It is such a privilege to be a part of. But we also get to savor the moments in between. Everything that we do with every moment of every day <clears throat> is fruit-bearing. And God is not wasting any time. And when he carries the burden, we're always in a place of rest. And I just found that to be very encouraging today because I, I really felt the bigness of our call, but I also felt the bigness of his hands and that that he does have all of it in his hands. And there's not one thing about this that we have to worry about. We get to trust him and know that he's going to see it done. And uh, And those powerful moments, and we know when we have them, that, that he does something unbelievably incredible through us, and the world is impacted. And, um, and all of that was the sum of the little tiny things, the, the teeth brushes and the dishwashes and uh, the errands that we run and the phone calls that we make and the people that we talk to and all the things that make up a day and a week and a month and a year. And, and throughout that time, they all are building blocks of his miracle. And uh, so I'm just really grateful today, grateful that his hands are so big. Yeah. And just the fact that the, the hands that created everything hold our hearts and, and care for them so tenderly. And I, I've been thinking a lot about just, you know, because we've been talking about this together, what what Pa said and kind of looking, um, you know, a, a question, um, kind of pursuit we've placed, um, I think before each other's hearts and definitely before his is at this point where we are, where we've come to with all we've walked through and all that there is yet to walk through. Are we living the life he portioned for us? Are we living the life he designed for us and are we living it fully in it's it's not about more tasks or things to do. Are we getting our checklist done? But are we really dwelling in His plan each day and and letting that kind of that idea, that pursuit, order our day in a greater way, knowing His hands do hold everything. And so, time is a huge part of that. And so, as we've been, you know, really having a lot of dialogue ourselves about that, and and with Him. I've just been looking at some things that kind of steal 
um, steal time and I think his design in our life together, our life as community. And so there's a, a word he's just really been highlighting to me um, that I definitely have been seeing and I think we've all been seeing whether it's in you know, social media or the news or that kind of thing, but I think I've been seeing it more up close uh, in conversations I hear um, nearby, I guess is the way I would say it. And uh, so it's very active, it's very present, and it feels like it's kind of thwarting his presence. And that the word he really highlighted is blame. And so I kind of, as he was... uh, highlighting this and and he just he reminded me a a recent story it was over the summer where something happened and you know what I did not want to be responsible (laughs) and so what happened was I was coming out of our garage and and something happened and I didn't realize it happened and I just started backing out and you guys have heard Pa got me a jeep uh, named Juby for my 50th birthday and and I do work really hard to not let this Jeep be an idol because I love it. But it's not more important than anything else in the world or my life. But anyway, I do really appreciate Juby. So I'm pulling out and, like I said, something occurred. And I ended up hitting the garage door on the way out and bending the arm that kind of allows you to take the top off and put the top back on of Juby. So the truth is I have not taken the top off because I am very concerned I won't be able to get it back on. And so it's like unfolding a paper map and then you never get it folded back up the way it was. So that's just kind of how I have perceived what it would be like if I took the top off. So my goal in having the Jeep was not to be able to take the top off necessarily. So I've been cool with that. So anyway, I clip it and mildly damaged the garage door and and did damage Juby internally in this area. So anyway, I was very distraught over this and I really wanted to pinpoint this thing that had occurred that I felt caused me to have this little accident with the Jeep and the garage. And so I I really stayed there for a few hours, just so disappointed and that kind of thing. And and ultimately, as the Lord walked me through it with my, you know, disappointment and all those things, I realized that even if this thing had happened, that did happen with the garage door, I still, I wasn't paying attention. I was in a hurry. And I just zipped out. There's this noise I listen for. And when that noise, you know, is complete, that's when I'll back right out. Well, I was just so in a hurry. I didn't really listen for that. So if I had, I would have known what was going on. So so anyway, I really recognized I could that propensity where I could be looking for this responsible party, whether it was an inanimate object or... <laughs> a human being, a living person that I love, that there could be this um, just assessment of blame. And so I got to really, you know, it wasn't about blaming myself either. It was about just acknowledging, man, I was in a hurry. Why, you know, why was I rushing? And I got to see some 
some areas where I wasn't trusting him. And you know what? It all worked out at the dealer when we took Juby to be fixed. So many people break this very part of the inside of the Jeep when they take the top off without knowing how that they end up ultimately fixing it for people. So even though I confessed, I hit my garage door and all that, they're like, you know what, it's okay. So they, it all got fixed for free and, you know, that kind of thing. And I ended up so grateful. There truly was no cost, not just financially for us, but there wasn't a cost in me trying to put blame on something or someone. Um, And so... He kind of, as he was bringing up this word, Papa just reminded me of that confession (laughs) that I just did, that little part of my story. And so I started looking at what what blame means and then really came to um, a story he drew my heart to in Scripture. So blame means to cause to feel guilty. So with blame, we actually, the result is to cause another person to feel guilty. And um, it also, in its root word, it means to be afraid. So when we blame someone else, it's ultimately because we're afraid of taking responsibility ourselves, Because we think this, this has to lie somewhere or on someone, and we're afraid it's going to be us. And so we try to place it somewhere else, and, and blame actually connects to the root word for sin, which means to miss the mark to just actually miss what you're aiming for. And so we know different times in Scripture, you know, the the disciples, they kind of walked through this journey, you know, whose fault was this? They would ask Jesus, you know, and um, who missed the mark here? And Jesus would always draw them back to who gets to draw near to me. And when I started looking at at it like that, like instead of who's to blame, who's got to fix this, who's got to justify this or whatever, it's like who who needs to draw near to me? I'm so grateful when that's me now. You know, it's like, wow, that's that's it. Even if I miss, I just get to draw near to you. That's my that's my consequence is drawing near to the Lord. You know, that's pretty amazing. And so just even thinking through, I was reading, just rereading the story of Martha and Mary. And, you know, Mary comes and she sits at Jesus's feet. And I've always been struck at that story because, you know, we've we've made it a lot about Mary needed to be at his feet and that kind of thing. But I wonder if Jesus didn't need to sit, like if he didn't need to rest And that's what they really had the invitation to offer him was rest. And so here's this moment and Martha, you know, comes in and one of the ways Jesus was resting was just this this dialogue he was having with Mary, just this interaction, this relationship. Like he rests, I think he rests so much in his relationship with us when he has someone who will sit at his feet, who will sit with him and just talk things through and talk things out, you know, and that comes in in peace, you know. I come in peace <laughs> to have this conversation with you. No matter what all we need to talk about, I come in peace for it. You know, I don't come in war 
for this conversation with you. I come in peace because of our relationship. And that's how Mary came. She came in peace. And then Martha, you know, has this moment where she doesn't feel like Mary is, you know, pulling her weight. And she's feeling, she's feeling lost. She's feeling deficient. She's feeling lack. And it's not because everything she needs isn't there. It's because she won't receive it because she's chosen something different. So she comes and Jesus is sitting and we know in the story she basically stands over him and 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 she actually says, "Do you not care?" to the Lord, "Do you not care?" And you know, I think what she really was saying, she felt he didn't care about was that her expectations weren't met. And we can do that too. We can stand right where he's sitting and and basically say, "You didn't meet my expectations and miss the extravagance that he's truly offering and the expectancy he has when we come just so open and willing to receive what's what's in his heart and you know then there's the disciples in the boat with the storm and they say to him master do you not care you know, do you not care that we're afraid and um he doesn't even address them he addresses the storm, and he he is who he is completely before them. And so it becomes not about who to blame for the storm, but who calms the storm. And he just always has that answer. So I've been for a little bit just in First Kings and the story of Elijah and the widow, and have gone back to read it in the context when... Papa started talking to me about blame and what a siphon that is in our lives and how, you know, in that moment when Martha came and, you know, was kind of looking to assess blame on Mary, but who she really was accusing was Jesus, but she's looking to blame someone for how she feels. I feel like this, it has to be someone's fault. And Jesus had to actually stop this this interaction with Mary to now take care of this. And, and so I started looking at like that. If I'm looking for a place to lay blame, there's something he has to stop in order to deal with this in my heart. You know, and he loves me and he's willing to do that. He loves all of us and he's willing to do that. But I started thinking, what does he have to pause in order to get me <laughs> back to get me drawn back to him in truth. So um so we're in First Kings um and and the widow, you know, there's the story is so amazing. It's so rich and you you have to really just spend quite a bit of time in it to get all the the nuance that's in it. But the son of the widow has died and the mom the mother is looking for someone to blame for the death. And basically, it's Elijah who she's looking to blame. And it's interesting why she feels like he would be to blame. So remember that he's come and, you know, she was in this this place of, of lack. And so there's this, um, there's this miracle of bread and oil. And in the scripture, it says that the the meal was shared with her house. And house 
in that scripture doesn't just mean her dwelling place, the place that she lives and just she and her son. That word actually means community. So when this miracle occurred, it didn't just feed her and her son and Elijah. It, it is possible that it fed the entire community because that's what that word means. So now the whole community has been drawn into this miracle. Like they're not just seeing this widow in her house and, oh, some things are happening there. They are all benefiting from this miracle. They are all being fed and nourished through this miracle. So it's affecting a lot of people. And then Elijah stays with, you know, in the widow's house, which was probably like a, what we would consider a bed and breakfast or a boarding house. And for three years, this, this miracle continues. Three years, this community is drawn into this. And so this community is being fed. And so now she's witnessed these mir- the miracle of the oil and the bread and just this provision. And, and she sees that Elijah, God is with him. And he provides for him. And what is provided to him is provided beyond him, which isn't that just God's way? Like what he provides to us goes beyond us. And so that's all happening. And now her son dies. And she basically says that Elijah has caused this death because he called her sins to remembrance. And it's kind of like you're getting some insight into the kind of the life of the widow beforehand. Um, alongside the amazing choice that that she made in the story. But before Elijah came, her life, her sin, her, you know, the journey she was on was measured by the rest of the community. And so there could be this place of, well, I'm doing great in comparison to everyone around me, which don't we do that? And then this man of God comes, this prophet, this man who's carrying miracles and truth and hope and all these things. And now there's a different standard that she's looking at. And she is seeing kind of clearly not, Elijah's not there to say, you sinner, you know, these are all the places you've missed. He's there to reveal a life she's invited to live, a life that's designed for her that she may not have fully chosen yet. And so her son's death and his resurrection, actually, the, the beauty and the benefit of those was to remind her of the gifts she had, not what she was owed. She wasn't owed her son's life. That wasn't what she was entitled to. She was given a life full of miracle, full of gift, full of provision that could be her every day. And when she tried to lay that blame on Elijah, she was basically saying those things weren't um, her design that, you know, she started She started focusing on her sin and it being kind of out in, out in the open instead of the one who could take it away, the one who would draw her near. She became focused on that she had ever missed the mark instead of um, drawing near to his heart. And I know we do that too, and it is just the root of blame. Like, if... I did something, then it means this, 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 and this. And now in comparison to the rest of our community, 
we're the bad one or we're the, you know, the broken one or the messed up one or the problem or whatever it is instead of, man, I'm the one who gets to draw near to him right now. I'm the one that gets to be nestled right up to his heart to be reminded of what is mine every single day. Because somewhere I started looking at what was someone else's, you know, and that kind of thing. And so um, that can happen in community. You know, something good is happening for the entirety of the community, like for the community, the kahal as a whole. But this one person, maybe it's me, has something hard I need to walk through. You know, something necessary I need to walk through. And if I'm unwilling to walk through it, I'm going to blame somebody for what I'm going through. And whether it's that God loves them more or sees them more, this person always does something for that person or whatever it is, that's where the discord comes in and begins to deceive and destroy. That's how the enemy comes in. Where in reality, when something good is happening for the entirety of the community, for everyone as a whole, That provision is there for each of us, but it doesn't mean that there might not be something each of us gets to walk through in our journey to receive that goodness, to receive the fullness of what He has. And so when we we see it in that context, we stop laying blame, we stop wasting time, we stop rejecting His gifts, and we stop stopping Him from the work He's doing on behalf of all of us. And we get to truly see each other in another way. Mm. So that was probably not the most festive (laughs) message right here at the holiday. But it's just what he was saying. I feel like it was so important as as we're right on the cusp of years, you know, and that we get to really, you know, because I think blame is related to shame, which is such a huge thing. And there's just guilt and all this. It's all debt. And he's paid the debt. And I think that's a gift he wants us to re-receive during this holiday season is, is the truth, like the fullness that he already paid the price. We don't need to try to extract it from each other. He paid the price. We don't need to try to come up with the funds for ourselves for what you know we don't want to show or have known or seen. He's already done that. And what a great present <laughs> that is for all of us. Yeah. Free, free at last. Free at last. Yay. Yeah. All right. All righty then, guys. Well, next Tuesday is actually Christmas. So we'll see. Maybe we'll still do a podcast or do it early or we don't know. We'll you, see. You just never know. We just, yeah, you don't. We'll we'll do one on New Year's for sure, but we'll, we'll see what happens for next week. And, uh. Yeah, and so we just, we're excited for all that's coming. We did just get to open what we are calling the Creative Collective. So this is uh, in the basement of the the home and the land called Migdanah, where we've done numerous things now. We've had a youth camp, we've had a fitting room, we've had a Pesach, we've, goodness, we've done lots of things. And if you've been to visit, you've probably seen it in some context. Our horses are there. The recording studio will be there. But we had this beautiful, spacious basement, and we just were really, what are we going to do with this? And um, we felt like there, each part was like this chamber 
for a release of creativity and not just a release individually, but this expression community wide. And so it's just got these four different areas right now. So one is worship. Um, it's for the psalmist so with instruments and sound and song and all of those things. So it's a place people can come together to uh, express in that way. And then we have a room it's just all about movement. So there's it's actually yoga classes and things that happen in there, but also they'll be dancing and just, just different ways that movement expresses him with and to each other. And then there's an artist room where the artists can come. And I mean, that is not just painting or drawing, but it could be jewelry or engraving or wood, you know, just all those different expressions where people can come together and, and collaborate and, and celebrate each other. And, and then there's a room for the authors, you know, the, the writers and the poets and that kind of thing to come together and share ideas and encourage each other in their writing and that kind of thing. So that just really opened like Sunday, I guess. So we're pretty excited about that. So sometime when you're here, if you don't live here, you'll get to come and be part of that. And uh, yeah, so there's always something seems to be happening, even when it seems like nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. It yeah. is definitely a lot happening, and we're grateful for it. Yeah. Well, we sure celebrate you guys and all the encouragement you give us. Thanks for writing us and letting us know the things that impact you, whether it's the podcast or worship each week. And we're super grateful for that. And we love you all. We'll talk to you again very soon.